Welcome to the Writer's Showcase Podcast. I'm Phil Nasons and I'm the host of this program brought to you by the authors and you, the listening public. If you would like to be a guest on the show or would like to support the work being done here, please contact me at www.thewritershow.wordpress.com. My guest tonight is the author of three romantic comedy novels, Prada and Prejudice, Love and Liability, and her latest and soon-to-be-released novel titled Mansfield Lark. Please welcome author Katie Oliver to the Writer's Showcase. Katie, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on. This is quite uh, quite different for me and fun. I've never done a real live radio interview before, so it's very exciting. Yeah, how about that? I've, not, I've done one or two, so... Uh, I, <laughs> Well, I'm in good hands. I'm I, in good I hope hands. so. I hope so. Usually I don't get too many complaints. That comes late. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, so who is Katie? Katie, the author. Well, let's see. Um, I am a writer, obviously. Um, I was born in Washington, D.C., and I've lived here all my life, which is kind of a rarity in this area. Um, Northern Virginia, D.C., a lot of people come and go because you have a lot of military and a lot of uh, federal government employees. And so you make a lot of great friends. And then, you know, within three years or five years, they're moved on somewhere else. And it kind of sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I've lived here, as I said, uh, all my life. And I've always wanted to write from the time I was uh, probably about eight years old. And I think that stemmed out of the fact that I like to read. Uh, I've always been a, a voracious reader, which I kind of got from my dad because he, he liked to read. And uh, so here I am. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're happy to have you here. There is some crazy weather on the eastern side of the United States, so we're going to have some cutouts here and there but just bear with us folks we'll be just fine that's the internet right katie it's the it's the joy of the internet and how, how important is the internet to your writing you think um pretty important because to write nowadays you really have to be active on social media uh whether you like it or not and as i've said before it's kind of a necessary evil um I enjoy it, though. I, I meet a lot of people from all over the world on Twitter. Uh, it's a great way to connect. The only uh, kind of downside to it is it can be a huge time suck so that, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and think, geez, I need to do this on Goodreads and I need to go on Twitter and I need to pin some stuff on Pinterest. When am I going to have time to write? You know, that's kind of the, the catch-22. But you definitely need it to promote your books and to, you know, reach your audience and kind of establish a brand and all that stuff. So it is what it is. And you just have to kind of uh, learn how to use it uh, to advantage and go from there. You're right. It can be an incredible time suck. If I responded to every <sighs> person who tweeted me or whatever, I would never have time to do anything else except respond. Exactly. And, you know, I don't have time to look at everybody's timeline because I've got, I think, approaching 4,000 people, which isn't a huge amount, but it's still more than I can really honestly keep up with every day. I mean, I'd never do anything but read timelines if I, if I even tried to do that. So it's a challenge, but, you know, it, it can be a lot of fun, too. You know, it just uh, it, it kind of you get back out of it what you put into it, I, I think. Yeah, I have about 
360 followers and that's enough for me <laughs> i mean oh that's good that's good you know eh, i don't i don't really spend any time on twitter i just see it in my email thread <laughs> and some and, you know when I, I hit the link to the show once and that's about it but now what kind of tips since you use social media like facebook and that what type of tips can you give uh, the listening audience who may not be doing it right or perhaps have never done it before Oh, well, I would say the biggest mistake I think I see a lot of indie writers especially make is they go on Twitter and they think it's just this giant billboard for selling their book. And you'll see them tweet repeatedly, buy my book, buy my book, here's a link, buy my book. And that's not the way to sell your book. I mean, people are going to look at that as basically kind of spam and after a while, they're not even going to look at your timeline. The best thing you can do uh, with any social media is use it to connect with people uh, as, as, you know, on a personal basis. Get to know them, hang out with them. And then, you know, maybe later you can throw in a tweet about your book here or there or a pin, a, you know, a quote or whatever. I mean, you can absolutely use social media to, to promote your book. But I think too many people try to overuse it and they don't really bother to get to know their Twitter followers first. And I think that's a huge mistake. So that would probably be my biggest um, piece of advice is just use it in a way that uh, is connecting with other people, not just throwing your book or your record album or your whatever at them and, you know, saying, buy this, buy this, buy this. You know what? I, I completely agree with you. I always tell people that the first part of social media is social. You wouldn't right. go and to your next door neighbor every single day with your book in your hand or your radio show in your hand and say, here, here, here. And it's the same thing. You know, I remember one time I had to be on Twitter. There was a big thing coming up for my sports show and I needed that information as quickly as possible. And I couldn't wade through all the uh, sales pitches. It was like four straight pages full of nothing but sales pitches and retweets from the same people. And I'm thinking, exactly. and I don't want to, I don't want to not or unfollow them, but it, it becomes annoying. And you're right, it's spam, and people just finally just tune you out. Yeah, and that's not what you want. I mean, that's accomplishing the exact opposite of what you want. So exactly, that's great advice. By the way, I completely agree with you. You're like my new hero for that. <laughs> Thank you. Anyhow, let's get back into uh, who you are as a writer. Um, I guess a great question for me to ask you was, what was your route to becoming a published writer? It's one thing to just write. It's another mm -hmm. thing to publish. Well, um, basically, I knew after I finished my second book that I needed to get an agent. I knew that was going to be the first step if I wanted to be traditionally published, which that was the route I decided I wanted to go. And so I, I did that, and um, she shopped my book for, I, I would say, about two years, two and a half years, to pretty much every publisher in New York. And they collectively said, well, we like it, but we don't love it, or uh, American women don't want to read about British uh, heroines or, or settings in London, which I thought was total baloney, but, you know, whatever. So my agent decided to team up with a UK agent, and um, 
eventually my books landed on the desk of Helen Williams at uh, UK Carina, which is a division of Harlequin, uh, who is a huge romance novel publisher. And this is sort of a little uh, ebook offshoot startup thing. And uh, they really loved the books and they wanted to buy all three. So uh, she's like, do you, are you interested? And I'm like, uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's how my, uh, my publishing deal came about. And uh, I'm very excited. I'm excited for you. Uh, it, Thank it's diffi- you. It's difficult to be independent. And, and I'm technically independent now as a radio host. My sports show, I, it's syndicated. I think you knew that. And, and we get a big audience, but... I'm in the point where you were, where agents are important. You need these people because they know the folks. Exactly. They have the contacts that, you know, they can get in places I would never even know about, you know, and know people that can really help, you know, that I wouldn't have a clue. (laughs) That's exactly right. Now, you've been independent and now you are with a publishing house. What are the advantages and the disadvantages of both? Um, actually, I've never been an independent uh, writer. I'm independent in the sense that I didn't have a publisher, I guess. <laughs> okay, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, but um, I think the main advantage of going the traditional published route is that traditional publishers have a, an awesome distribution network. I mean, they can get your book into... So many places, I think, that a an independent writer uh, would never be able to go. And I think that was a, a big concern for me, a big, a big reason why I wanted to go traditional. Um, the other thing is to, to do it independently requires a total time commitment because basically you're doing everything. I mean, you're you're designing your book cover, you're formatting your book, you're marketing your book. You're doing it all. And um, as someone who's still working a day job full time, I just I knew I didn't have that kind of time commitment. I wouldn't be able to do it. So for me, uh, traditional publishing just kind of made more sense. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I try to push. We have a lot of indie authors that come on this program because they have no other outlet. Radio hosts aren't contacting them or whatever. Right. And this gives them a little more exposure. But. You need to. It's almost you're you're really pushing a how do I put this? Pushing a rock up a hill. Mm-hmm. When you're in it's the- very it's very difficult. And I think one of the problems is now there are so many um, ebooks on you know independent ebooks in amongst the regular ebooks that there's just so much out there. And I think it's harder to um, stand out and be noticed. And you know even for published writers. And I think, too, um, well, I won't say that. I I just think it's harder uh, to get noticed and maybe harder to promote yourself because I think so many indie writers, as I said earlier, think that promotion is just getting on Twitter and saying, buy my book and tweeting that 50 times a day, you know, and and that's just not going to work. And maybe for a few it does, or maybe it works a few times, but I think eventually, you know, people are just going to tune that out. I I completely agree. You know, my thing, I always wonder about sometimes with independent authors, why why they spend so much time on social media spinning their wheels. They should be trying to uh, 
get their book into bookstores or something. Exactly. Or or a lot of people will uh, want to be writers, talk about writing, and they're on social media all the time. And I'm thinking, you know, if you would sit your butt down in a chair and write, you could get that book done instead of talking about it. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> no, that's that's me, too. <laughs> I'm the same way, you know, because I, 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 I do freelance sports writing and, and, mm-hmm. and it takes work and, and on top of the shows that I do. But uh, you have oh, yeah. to... Uh, have some help you have to be put in your thing i put my show into stations like books into bookstores i didn't mm-hmm. look for listeners i looked for stations who already had listeners ah that's <laughs> see you were smart <laughs> and people thought i was stupid i spun my wheels for a long time you get said no to a lot but yeah. you will get said yes to and once you get said yes to one place then it's easier to get said to by others because you have exactly. somewhere you're book is but this we could do a topic we could do a whole show just on this katie i think but uh we really <laughs> are here you're for right you. we are really here for you but this is all part of you know the writing experience in the writer showcase we ask for tips and advice we get opinions about different things and, and, and i'm telling you this is fun I, i'm enjoying this now you have a writing routine that isn't spent or your writing isn't spent with 140 characters or less on twitter <laughs> what is your writing routine? Because you said you also have a full-time job. Well, uh, I really don't have a routine as such, but basically it's I write whenever I can find the time. And uh, luckily, <laughs> my husband might not agree, but he works every other Saturday. So I have a whole Saturday uh, a couple times a month to do nothing but write all day, which is like bliss. I love that. And it's quiet and I can focus and concentrate. Um, other than that, I kind of uh, I use the notebook app on my uh, iPad all the time if I'm on the go. I use that to write maybe a scene or a couple paragraphs or I'll jot down a snippet of dialogue. Um, sometimes I'll think of an idea or a couple of ideas or I'll write my blog on it. You know, it's great. And then I can cut and paste it into Word later. Um, but mostly my routine is just basically writing whenever, wherever I can find the time and uh, and go from there. That sounds great. Now, you also mentioned blog. Mm-hmm. How important is blogging to an author? I think it's pretty important. Um, early on, when I first started taking my writing thing seriously, um, I joined the Romance Writers of America. And one of the reasons I, I like that organization is they offer a lot of free classes uh, on writing. And one of them early on was a class on social media. And they had Kristen Lamb on there. And she was uh, she's a big social media expert. I think she's social media person for like James Rollins. So she's a really savvy, smart lady. And I took that class and... Uh, really learned a lot and one of the things she said was you really should do a blog and you should blog as often as you can because she said that's how you're going to pick up followers that's how you're going to pick up uh, readers and people if they like your blog you know they'll they'll continue to follow you and hopefully buy your books eventually and she said that uh, you know social media is absolutely necessary uh, in this day and age to connect with readers and uh, I, I completely believe that and I think blogging is a good way to do that um, it, and it kind of shows people an example of your writing and 
you know, if they like your style, uh, they'll hopefully they'll they'll want to buy your book. And I, I think, too, another thing she said is whatever you blog, kind of try to keep it in the same uh, vein all the time. You don't want to blog all over the place about all kinds of different stuff. I mean, if you're a romance writer, you know, write about romantic or uh, romantic comedic things or what you know whatever your thing is kind of make that part of your blog and I think you'll you'll pick up like-minded people that like reading that type of blog who hopefully will eventually become you know uh, buyers of your book so I think that's uh, blogging is, is definitely a very good route to go you are singing my tune preaching to the choir <laughs> because either the three most successful authors that have come on this program each of them, including a New York Times bestseller, were discovered because they blogged it. And they, growing up Amish by Ira Wagler is, is a typical of that. He became a New York Times bestseller. He got published by Tyndale. Uh-huh. And they found him because he was talking about his days as some, when he was in the Amish on his blog. And, and, a, and a rep was trolling through the internet one night bored and saw some TV show about Amish people and mm-hmm. Googled Amish and discovered Ira. And the Aww. next thing you know, this guy is, he still has his full-time job, but he sold, I think, what was it, 50,000 ebooks in one day? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was I excited. Have... <laughs> it, it was one of my best interviews that I'd ever done because he, he was Amish and he never had TV as a kid. And he was a New York Jets fan like me. And I said, how did you do that? He goes, the first time I had a chance, I turned the TV on and the New York Jets were playing. I said, that's the team I'm going to support. So, <laughs> but, but it was all because of his blog and the others too. And, and I think you're right. Very good advice. Now, you've had, obviously, people have given you their two cents worth as far as your writing. What was the best advice that you've ever received and perhaps even the worst advice that you've ever received? Well, um, I think the best advice that I ever got is just to write. And I think maybe Stephen King or somebody said that, you know, just sit your butt down and write. Don't talk about it. Don't, you know, tweet about it. Just sit down and do it. And I think the worst advice, and it's something we all hear all the time, is uh, write what you know. Write what you know. I hate that. I think if if people wrote what they know, we wouldn't have Alice in Wonderland. We wouldn't have Hogwarts. You know, we wouldn't have uh, all these great imaginative novels. I think the better advice would be write what you love. And uh, that way, your passion for whatever, you know, whether it's zombie vampires or, you know, uh, sci-fi or whatever, it'll come through in your writing. So I think you, you definitely should write what you love and not maybe necessarily what you know, because you can always find out stuff by researching. So that would probably be my, my favorite piece of advice. Excellent advice, by the way. Now, Thanks. last question before we have to take a break, and we'll get into your books and the reason that you're here, now that we've interrogated <laughs> you. Um, what tools or software do you use to help you churn out these amazing novels and these books my friends are amazing oh thank you That's this is very not common. the type of book that the flash listens to or reads i should say <laughs> no 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 i don't usually read those i i'm a real housewives hooked on kind of guy because it's only american tv they show here <laughs> but these books are great anyway what tools do you use to uh 
get that all together. Well, thank you. I appreciate the very kind words. Um, I have a MacBook Pro uh, laptop, which I use at home, and that's where I do probably the bulk of my writing on that, and I love it. My husband got it for me for Christmas uh, a couple years ago, and it's probably like the best thing ever. And uh, other than that, the other tool I use a lot is my iPad. Um, the notebook app, as I mentioned earlier, I use that a lot and uh, for social media, for keeping up with that and my emails and stuff. Uh, it, it's just a great tool. Um, and I still use the old fashioned uh, legal pad and pen a lot, too. And I have little like notebooks in my purse because, you know, I can never have enough notebooks. I'm always jotting stuff down. And uh, I don't know, I guess I think, though, probably the definitely the laptop is is my main uh, thing that I've got to have. I think I would die if something happened to my MacBook. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I without my laptops, I'm dead. <laughs> I know nothing about what happens. Anyway, great start to an amazing, amazing program. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and when we return, Katie will be here to talk all about. Her three amazing novels, Prada and Prejudice, Love and Liability, and her latest and soon-to-be-released, Mansfield Mark. And we'll be right back. You're listening to the Writer Showcase Podcast. Are you looking to escape? into lands full of fantasy, drama, and adventure? If you are, why not try Author K. Metter's books? Their journey begins, Journey to Freedom, The Night of the Dixie Wilds, On Top of the Rainbow, and Transcendence will get you there. K. Metter's books are available as an ebook or in paperback, and you can find her at authorkmetter.com. That's authorkmeador.com. If you are a fan of historical fiction, then the Britain and the Dane novels are right up your alley. Surrounding 9th century Anglo-Saxon history are five amazing novels that will leave you breathless. To purchase any or all of the Britain and the Dane historical fiction novels, please visit MarianneBernal.com. That's www.MarianneBernal.com. Welcome back to the Writer Showcase Podcast. We're here with author Katie Oliver. She is the author of three amazing romantic comedy books, Prada and Prejudice, Love and Liability, and her latest and soon-to-be-released amazing novel, probably the best of the three, maybe, Mansfield Lark. But first, I have to ask you, you know, because we had not spoken at all until about 45 minutes ago. Right. I honestly thought you were from the UK. I thought you were British. <laughs> and, and I was pro I was practicing how to be, you know, not to be so fun one of those funny, crazy American deals. But when I heard your voice, I, I threw all that out the window. But I have to ask you, what 
do you do to research those books and those UK settings? Because you nail it. Oh, thank you. That's a great question. Um, it really is. Actually, uh, probably the biggest thing I do is I read a lot of UK uh, women's magazines like, let's see, uh, Elle, British Elle, British uh, Vogue, Woman and Home. Um, oh, and there's a couple other ones, but I love them because not only do I find a lot of interesting UK articles, but I like looking at the ads because it shows me a lot about the culture, you know, what kind of cars they're buying and what kind of uh, dishwashing soap they use and all those kind of little detail things, which to me are fascinating. Um, also, for research stuff uh, and locations, uh, I'll do a lot of Googling, uh, Google Earth, Google Maps, uh, just Google different topics. You know, there's such a wealth of information on Google. It's just amazing. I mean, when I first started writing years ago, you had to go to the library and you had to, uh, you know, borrow books or get interlibrary loans for some books because they didn't always have everything you wanted. So Google is just amazing and it's a great resource. Um, and probably the other third thing I would say that I most often do is I'm lucky that I have a lot of UK followers on Twitter. So sometimes if I'll have a question about, you know, what is what does an MP do or, you know, what is an MP? I can go to one of them and ask them and they'll they'll tell me, you know, they always uh, give me all the information I need. So they're a great resource, too. Um, and then I have a couple of British friends here. Uh, one of my coworkers is British, Jane, and she's great. And she uh, she'll say, oh, no, you know, we wouldn't say that. We'd say this. So, you know, and, and she's a trip and she's very uh, opinionated and she'll tell me, you know, whatever I need to know uh, with no problems. So I have a lot of great resources and I have a lot of fun, you know, doing the research and asking the questions because it's a fascinating subject to me. Well, I'll tell you, I've spent some time in England. I've coached a lot of kids from the UK. And, and because I'm in a tourist place that uh, caters to UK uh, tourists, I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of these people could have been uh, <laughs> in my resort. I mean, it, it, you nailed it. <laughs> you really did. Now, Thank you. That's, that, that's great. Okay, so let's start with Prada and Prejudice. Okay. Where did you come up with that idea for that book? Because that was the title grabbed me and of the three because you sent all three books to me at, at the same time. And, and I said, I'm going to read Pride and Prejudice first. And I was glad I did. Where did you come up with the idea for that book? Well, I started writing it, I think it was like 2009. And um, the economy was just starting to really tank. And a lot of like businesses were closing and, and things were pretty grim. And at the same time, um, Gordon Ramsay was very popular over here with his Kitchen Nightmares and a couple of his other uh, TV shows. And I don't know, somehow those two things came together in my mind and I got the idea for this uh, British department store that had been around for, you know, 150 years, Dashwood and James. And it had run into some financial difficulties and was looking at the possibility of having to, to close their doors. And so I thought, well, what if they bring in someone as a, a consultant, sort of a Gordon Ramsay, aggressive, uh, very hard-nosed business type person in to try and turn the store around? And what if uh, 
the daughter of the owner is not uh, too happy about that. And what if she's the complete polar opposite of this guy? And it kind of grew from there. And I, I, I just thought this could probably be a lot of fun. And then I just sort of went with it to see where it took me. And I ended up with Broad and Prejudice. <laughs> so you did a good job. Now the main characters, Natalie and Reese, right? Right. Okay, I wasn't sure how to pronounce that. I was going to ask you off layer, but I figured that's eh, okay. People are used to me making mistakes. <laughs> horrible with names. But how did you develop those two characters? Because they were, they were incredible. Uh, you did a good job with that. Oh, thank you. Well, as I said, I, Reese is probably kind of loosely based on Gordon Ramsay, but, you know, not so much physically, but just his kind of persona his uh, aggressiveness and, you know, just saying what he thinks and being very opinionated. And uh, Natalie is the opposite. She came from a very privileged background and she's sort of a little bit of a princess, but she's she's a good hearted person. You know, she she means well, but she kind of takes offense to uh, some of uh, Reese's ways. She doesn't exactly approve of him and, and vice versa. So um, I just kind of wanted to go with that clashing of those two very different personalities and, and see where it went and uh, had a lot of fun. Yeah, you sure did. And, uh, you know, I kind of figured that the two of them would get together at the end, but <laughs> and they did, you know, but I didn't expect the, all the little twists and turns. And, and what I didn't expect was the villain that you brought <laughs> Ian, yes. Ian, Evil yes. Ian. Ian Clarkson, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I remember. I actually read the book. Uh, it was You sent it to me when I was sick, and I was like, okay. I was afraid to go to sleep. I thought I would die. I was that sick. <laughs> and, and so I, I, started read, I started reading, and I was glad I did. I couldn't stop. But uh, honestly, Ian Clarkson, how important are villains to a romantic comedy? Because that's basically what this is, right? Right. Well, probably not very in your typical normal romantic comedy, uh, but I don't know. I just thought it would be kind of fun to throw in this uh, creepy guy and give Natalie a little bit of a problem to deal with uh, because he is definitely a thorn in her side. Um, I don't know. I, I've always kind of liked books that had a little bit of a, a darker side or an edge to them, even even a comedy. I like it to have either, a, you know, deal with a, an important issue or a, a social issue, perhaps, or have a, a sort of a scary villain in there somewhere in the mix. I just, I, I don't know, I find it more interesting and more fun. Uh, and it, it keeps, uh, hopefully it keeps readers turning the pages or the virtual pages. <laughs> Uh, to find out what's going to happen and how it's all going to work out. Well, you did a good job with that. I'm sure Natalie didn't appreciate him so much. Or <laughs> you, probably, probably not, no. But, it, but it's all good. And that was Prada and Prejudice. And you can get that from your website, right? Uh, yes. And it's pretty much available everywhere. Amazon, US, UK, um, I think Barnes & Noble, Kobe. Um, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Kobe, Kobe. Um, and it's like in Sainsbury's and W.H. Smith and all kinds of places. So, you know, I'm sure if you just type in Katie Oliver, Prada and Prejudice, you'll find it all over the place. I'm sure you will. But we'll send you over to katieoliver.com, listeners, where you can get the links to all of these books that she's written. Now, uh, Love and Liability. That was an interesting book. Now, I haven't gotten to that one yet, but I'm sure it's going to be crazy. <laughs> And that's okay. Now, 
Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is that you're, even though this technically isn't a series, mm-hmm. you have characters that show up in all the books, right? Right. Holly James is one of them. Yes, she is. She's the daughter of uh, the other half of Dashwood and James. She's uh, Alistair James's daughter. And she's also Reese's half-sister, right? Yes, she is. And she doesn't (laughs) find that out until sort of towards the end of the first book, Prada and Prejudice. And uh, yeah, well, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, that's kind of a little twist at the end of the first book. Absolutely it is, and it's amazing. I'm telling you, that one caught me by surprise. (laughs) But Holly James, what is it about her that will appeal to readers? Um, I think the thing that appeals to me and that hopefully will appeal to readers is her sort of determination that she has. She she comes from a wealthy family, but she wants to make it on her own, uh, Shades of Mary Tyler Moore. And uh, I think that makes her likable because in the beginning of, of the book, she's kind of borrowing money from her dad all the time and he's getting mad. He's like, look, you know, you want to stand on your own two feet, but you're not doing it. You're still borrowing money from me. And she knows he's right. And she knows that, uh, you know, she's got to find a way to, to really become independent. And I think, you know, a lot of people could relate to that. A lot of, especially younger people, you're establishing your career and trying to get ahead. Uh, you know, I think we've all been there and we all want to stand on our own and, and not have to uh, depend on our parents or, you know, whoever to always bail us out. Uh, so hopefully that will appeal to readers. That sounds really good. Now, Alex Barrington, how did you come up with him? Um, well, the idea, the premise was that uh, Holly's boss doesn't much like her, and she gives her this assignment to interview uh, Henry Barrington, and he's a solicitor. So, of course, Holly's thinking, oh, boring. You know, I've got to go interview this solicitor for a teen girls magazine. They're not going to care about this guy. He's probably 100 years old. He's probably got bad teeth, you know, and a comb over. Boy, whoopee. So she goes to the interview and she finds out that uh, Henry, who's, his middle name is Alexander, so he's actually called Alex, is actually uh, pretty hot. And she gets a, a very pleasant surprise when he opens his office door to find that he's he's very nice looking and personable and uh sort of throws her off her game a little bit because he's not at all what she expected. Nope, I don't think he is. Now, what's the most romantic thing that happens in Love and Liability? Um, I would say probably when Holly uh, loses her job through no fault of her own. This is uh, her her boss really, as I said, has it in for her, and uh, she finds a way to sabotage uh, a big interview that uh, Holly has just done for uh, the magazine. And as a result, Holly ends up getting fired or sacked, as the Brits would say. And so she goes back home to her parents' uh, country place in Chipping Norton to sort of nurse her wounds and cry and rail and scream and, you know, decide what to do next. And luckily her parents are, are not home for the weekend. They're staying in London. So she's there by herself and uh, she figures good because she doesn't really want to talk to anybody anyway. 
And the second night she's there, which is a Friday, Alex shows up and knocks on the door and just because he's heard what happened. And he is there to comfort her and, uh, you know, try to make her feel better. And uh, one thing leads to another. And he kind of finds out that her parents are gone for the weekend. And they kind of end up making wild, mad, passionate uh, love all over the house for two days. So I thought that was uh, pretty sweet and sexy. And uh, I, I really had fun writing that that whole scene. So I would I would say that's probably the most romantic uh, for me in the book. All right. Sounds good. Readers, you'll have a lot to look forward to in Love and Liability. <laughs> and you can find that again at katieoliver.com. She'll point you in the right direction. And she has a blog up there. It's an incredible website incredible author and incredible books and now we have mansfield lark that's coming up in a month and i know you don't want to give too much of that away and i really don't want to hear too much more because i'm going to try to finish that at some point <laughs> this week hopefully if life slows down i have to read three i have to write three blurbs for three book covers in the next 10 days oh wow yeah that's the biggest honor you can ever receive is to do that and uh, i'm thrilled Definitely. to do it but anyhow Mansfield Lark. What can we expect from Mansfield Lark? Well, you can expect a lot of fun and craziness because uh, Dominic Heath is the star of, of the, the third book, Mansfield Lark. And as I said earlier, he's probably my favorite character. Um, basically, his mother uh, approaches him and wants him to come back home to his um ancestral home and help uh help them They're, they've fallen into some financial difficulties and dominic is reluctant because he and his father have not spoken for uh, i think 11 years so it's been a long time and there's very bitter feelings on both sides and you don't really know why until later but um his mother, he's very close to her, and she convinces him to come back home. And so he heads back home with Gemma to see what he can do and, uh, you know, see if he can help out financially. And basically, he ends up agreeing to do a reality show, uh, which his father is not too happy about. But it's going to bring in a lot of money, uh, which will help repair the roof and the boiler and various things that are gone wrong that they can't afford to fix. And... Uh, and he also crosses paths with a very uh, nasty heiress named B.B. Matchington Ulster, who's after him and is very determined she's going to get him uh, and force him to marry her. And I won't say too much more because I'll give away uh, too much of the plot, but it, it's a lot of fun. And I really had a blast writing that one. I'm sure you did. Uh, Dominic is my favorite of all of them, too. And the reason being is I actually know someone. He's not English. He's from Sweden. He's played in some very famous bands like ABBA. And he uh, reminds me a lot of Dominic, but he's a lot <laughs> older now. But when he was younger, I guess he was more like Dominic. But anyhow, is he actually patterned after someone, a rock and roller that you know, or someone you've kind of studied from afar? Um, he's a, sort of a combination of a few people, I think. Um, I would say definitely Russell Brand is in there because 
I think uh, when I picture Dominic, I kind of picture a Russell Brand looking type fellow. Uh, and I love his quirky sort of oddball humor. And it's very British. Uh, so I definitely see an element of him in there. Um, I would say probably Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne a little bit in there. Uh, he's lovably clueless and funny. And, I, you know, I, there's elements of Dominic there. And I think the other, the main one probably when I started out was the Gallagher brothers. Uh, Liam and Noel, because, you know, they're always fighting and, and just couldn't ever seem to get along. I don't, they may be speaking now. I'm not even sure if they're still speaking, but I, I found that whole uh, trashing hotel rooms thing funny. And I just thought, yeah, it'd be really cool to do a character like that, you know, and maybe that could be Natalie's boyfriend in the beginning. And, uh, and then, you know, I ended up with Dominic Heath and boy, it was a, a fun ride. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I didn't expect him to hook up with Gemma, but he did. It <laughs> <That laughs> turned out okay. Anyhow, that was Mansfield Lark. It will be available around March the 1st. You can find out more by going to katieoliver.com. And she'll, you'll obviously tell us all on your website when the official release date is, right? Oh, absolutely. And I'll tweet it, too. So, you know, those of you on Twitter that follow me, uh, just watch for my news. And I'll, I'll definitely promo the heck out of it. Oh, I'm sure you will. And I'll help you do it, too. Don't worry about oh, that. Thank uh, you. My pleasure. What's next for you, Katie? Um, what's next for me? I've got a couple of books that are in the same series that I'm working on. One is finished, but I'm adding a subplot to it to try to kind of pad it out a little bit. It's only, uh, I don't know, it's barely 300 pages, so it's more of a no novella right now than a full novel. So I'm working on that, and that's going to bring back some of the same characters. Um, and the other thing I'm working on is another Natalie and Reese book, which is fun already. Um, it's going to be set in Scotland in the Highlands. And it's probably going to be a Christmas book because uh, that's going to be the time frame. And it's going to involve uh, her friend Tarquin, who is Scottish and lives in a castle. And they all get invited up there for the Christmas holidays. And uh, Dominic and Gemma are going to end up being there um, because this massive blizzard happens and they kind of all end up in this castle and lots of things happen and there's going to be a, a family mystery uh, to be solved. So, yeah, I'm still working out the details, but I think it promises to be uh, a good read and a fun read, too. So that's what I've got right now. Uh, who knows? You know, we'll see what happens uh, in the future. Hopefully lots more books and lots more readers. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Dominic's drafty old castle. I like <laughs> yeah. it. We want to I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I'll tell you what, it's been a great time getting to know you and we wish you all the best in future success. Good luck to you, Katie. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you so much, Phil. I've had a, a really good time. I was a little nervous in the beginning, but it's been really fun and I've enjoyed it. And I very much appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thank you. Well, thank you. Folks, Katie Oliver's an amazing writer. She has knocked it out of the park. You can, you can buy Prada and Prejudice and Love and Liability right now, if you wish. Her, her next book, Mansfield Lark, will be out in a month. And I suggest you grab that, too. And you're going to become hooked. I promise you. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's Writer's Showcase podcast. Remember, um, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please contact me over at thewritersshow.wordpress.com and I will contact you immediately. Until next time, thanks for listening and enjoy the reading. <laughs>